Sunday school is my favorite part of service. Amen. Mr. Randy, could you grab my water from right there? I present to you today, once again, following the boundaries of what I was speaking on last week, we searched a message last week concerning your flesh. Somebody say, my flesh. I want you to wake up and give me some time today, amen? Help me get through this and preach this the way I need to. If I don't preach it the right way, I ain't going to be able to sleep tonight. Um, we pursued a topic last week, for many of you who weren't here, grab the CD. It was part one of a three-part mini-series, and it was called the, the Intensive Care Unit. The, the church is in need of some intensive care, amen? And last week's title was, um, Take Your Flesh Off of Life Support. Amen? That your flesh, remember, your flesh meaning a mindset that opposes God, is constantly battling you. And God never called you to battle your flesh. He called you to kill it. Amen? So I give to you today the topic called, I pulled the plug, but pastor, it kept breathing. I tried to kill it, pastor, but it just, it just followed me wherever I went. Somebody said, mm-hmm. Our flagship scripture for this series is Galatians 5.24. And they are, it says this, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Last week we said it was time to take our flesh off life support. It was time to stop battling your flesh and to crucify. Well, today... We pose the question, what do you do when you've let go of all your problems, but your problems have not let go of you? You ready for this? Put your seatbelts on today. What a tantalizing thought if you were to really contemplate this and let it sink down into your mind. You would begin to see that many times, even though you let go of some real tough stuff, it seemed to stay stuck on you. Help me here, Manny. Help me here, Manny. I've said it before. Trouble seems to have my number, my email address, and it knows where I live. Realize sometimes you're going to face some issues that maybe you were done with, but that issue was not done with you. Somebody say me. Sometimes you're going to face some situations where you thought you were over something, and you will find out the hard way. You were not as delivered as you thought you were. Uh, even a dead man has breath for a little while after he dies, and little by little, it has got to seep out of him. When a person goes and he, 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 he dies, you have to understand that at a certain point in that transition, his body loses control of his bowels, and all the other poop has still got to come out of him. And you have to realize you may have crucified your flesh, but you now got to deal with the whole embalming process of letting it go and solidifying that it is gone in your life. And there's some things you have to suck out of it. Y'all not following me today. Y'all don't want to hear this this morning. Y'all want to hear blessings and riches and prosperity. How God's going to give you a six-room house. The devil is a liar. Realize that some of those flesh issues in your life that you pulled the plug on, still have the residual breath that you spoke into it, and it's going to take some time to die on its own. Realize that although you have died to yourself and your fleshly desires, it does not mean your desires are done with you. 
It is similar to a breakup in this, in this way. To analyze it, the metaphorical view I will use is that let's use a breakup. There always seems to be one person in a breakup that's not as through as the other person. And they want to call you and they want to text you and email you, pop up at your job, send you flowers. And you're trying to say, I am done with you. Why can't you get the point that I am done? And they're holding on to something that, that was old. And they're holding on to the memories they had with you rather than what you want to do with your life. And they stalk you and they want to sit there and molest your, your spirit and your time. And, and they bother you, do they not? Because they want some closure over the situation. I can't believe you're moving on with your life. You're going to throw six years out the window. Some folks just don't understand that when somebody's done, they're done. Some folks don't understand that when you've made your mind up after all that trash in your life, that it's a done deal and they have to move on. They might want to rekindle that flame, the relationship, and try to put on a facade as if you don't know the real them. Everybody's changed for the first few months, and after the first few months pass away, it's the same old person you left in the first place. They act the same old way. They're the same old jealous person, the same old person who treats you like dirt, don't love you, never did respect you. But for the first few months, they put on that facade that everything's going to be all right. And then you're like, oh, this is going to be great. And once you settle in, they settle down. Ada is in the building. If I'm just preaching to you, I'm just preaching to you. Somebody say amen. You've got to understand the issue isn't done to them. Although you are totally done with their desires, they continue to molest you. Sometimes people like that just won't stop until you give in. How many of you have ever been caught in a situation in your life where you've given in to something you know you did not want, but to satisfy somebody else and to say, I've tried everything, you will put yourself in a place of pain, a place of hurt, a place of turmoil, what, just so you can say, I tried it all when it was done three months ago. Here you are a year later, struggling. In this place where you don't want to be, but you're there because, because, and there is no because. That's the point. Somebody said, "Mm mm-hmm. Because the issue isn't done to them, they will continuously search for you, much like your flesh searches your spirit. Realize this. Sometimes what is trying to get back into your life, check this out, now listen to me, is so sick and twisted, they rather see you dead than see you with somebody else. So your flesh rather see your spiritual life dead rather than see you serving God. Understand there's some sick, nasty people out there and that they will take and they will try and kill somebody just so nobody else can have that woman. They will stalk them. They will pop up at their house. They will be like those, you know, stalkerazzi driving by their house four o'clock in the morning just to make sure that hoes home. Because I know what she be doing. Can we just be real today? They will rather see you dead than see you with somebody else. And don't think that thought never crossed nobody's mind to kill you when you broke up with them. And any person that thinks about it can do it. 
You watch these shows and you've seen the first 48, the, the FBI files, all the investigators, and you will see time and time and time and time again, it's a love triangle gone bad. Understand the devil is out to kill your spirit. Your flesh is out to murder you. The Bible says in the book of Romans, the flesh and the spirit cannot live together because there is enmity between them and your flesh can never serve God. And because your spirit desires to serve God, your flesh can't stay alive because he would try and hinder you from serving God. Mm. So you went through a bad breakup. Now you're being stalked by your past and it pops up every which way and it tries to make you be like it used to be. Isn't it funny that when there's somebody you don't want to see, that's the person you always seem to see. You didn't want to see that guy, that girl, and that's the person you see when you're driving around town. You didn't want to see that person, but they pop up at the mall when you're there, and they happen to be at Kohl's when you go there, and they happen to go everywhere you go. Isn't it funny how your past has a way of being in your path? Am I all right, Randy? Gloria. Realize some things about your life, Amen. That there is a certain level of your spirituality that you have to sink into, amen? Understand that your spirit desires to serve God. Somebody say, serve God. There's always something that tries to make you be the person you used to be. There's always somebody trying to get you to drink like you used to. Always somebody trying to get you to cuss somebody out because they know that's how you used to be. Situations always seem to arise that test the new you. And the moment you slip and you feel worse than before, your flesh jumps in like a dirty old ex and says, I told you this Jesus stuff would not work out and this relationship you have with God is bogus and he is just a rebound from me. All the while, you've been dead. You pulled the plug on this. You're saying, God, I'm leaving it in your hands. But sometimes God, he's letting you know, leaving it in his hands doesn't mean you won't have to deal with it. It means you don't got to solve it. And that's a problem for many of us. We want to solve everything. We want to have an answer. We need to rationalize everything, Carlos. And we need to make sense of what's going on in our life. And if we don't, we will sit there and ponder it for days. We're, we're, we're a type of people that we want to troubleshoot everything. You can't troubleshoot the devil. He's just got to go to hell. Are you with me? Am I all right? I wish you could understand that God is trying to open your eyes as to what is happening around you. Every day it seems something or someone is provoking you to be who you used to be. Until you begin to settle into the old you. Instead, you're just the old you, but wearing a nice outfit for church and carrying a Bible, but acting the same way you used to do. Like the Bible says, now you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. Because now you know how to be a Christian. You know how to come to church, and you know how to wear the right outfit. You know what to wear and what not to wear. I would challenge you that if there's something in your closet you can't wear at church uh, outside of a bathing suit, then you probably shouldn't have it in your closet. Because I come to church in my pajamas. I don't care. I just wear this and wear this because that's what some people expect. But God would take you as you are. So everything in your closet should be suitable to be able to come to the presence of God. But that's part of the old you living in your closet. I'm going to preach that next week coming out the closet. 
throw that mini skirt away. I'm just playing. You have to understand some things. That you have died to some things. How many of you have truly let go of some issues in your life? But they've come back to always try and stalk you in your spirit. And you think, Pastor, I let that thing go, but I don't understand why that's the person I always see. I don't understand why that's what I'm always dealing with. You have to understand, you pulled the plug, but that issue kept breathing. You stop gossiping, but people are still going to gossip about you. You stop thinking crazy, but now the world thinks that you're crazy because you're serving God. You pulled the plug on your filthy, swearing, nasty mouth, but now you're getting cussed out. And you can always check your spiritual maturity, as we learned last night, by looking at the sins of others and how you react to them. You can tell how mature you are in your spirit. So other folks is going to sin. They're going to do you wrong. Just because you pulled the plug on things don't mean the world is going to live like you're living. Just because you decided to divorce the world don't mean that the world is going to leave you alone. It just might drag you out to a court of public opinion where you might lose, but in God's eyes, you've already won. Maybe the world can't understand the things you do, the way you live, the things you say, the people you now hang out with. They may not understand that you've got to let some of them losers go, that there's some people in your life you just cannot hang around because they are what we call a bad influence, a bad egg, and they're just going to make your life rot. There's some people we hold on to, and that as long as we hold on to them, they have a link to our past. And maybe you don't talk to your ex anymore, but you hang out with a mutual friend who talked to them. And now they told you they're dating somebody else. And now you're all stressed out saying, God, I'm single and alone. And they're having the time of their lives. I don't understand. I'm so depressed. Because you, like a fool, decided to hang on to some other things in your past. The Bible says the little yeast leavens the whole loaf. See, I don't want to hear this today. I want to hear some of this. Don't hold the sinner to the standard of your life. Understand sinners do what sinners do, and that's called sin. You can't stoop to their level when they offend you, insult you, or hurt you. Because you mirror their actions with a response as sinful as their first primary action. There needs to be clear conviction as to what you're facing today. Let me read you and guide you through a scripture called James chapter 13 of chapter 1 verse 13 and 15. It says this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted. Now check this out. Soak this in. By his own evil desires. Nobody in this room can make me want to sin. It's already in me to sin. Nobody tells a kid how to lie. He just lies one day because that's what we do. We are lying people. Whether you like it or not, everybody in this room lies. Are you with me? Everybody has some sin in them. God doesn't tempt you or test you with sin. That is the devil. God is the one who, he helps you stay away from the sin when it comes close to you. He's the voice you hear saying, no, 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 no. Stay away from that. That's not kosher. Are you with me? So, 
because of this, you have to realize when you sin, somebody say, when I sin, or rather, when you desire to sin, it's something that already popped in your head. Nobody wakes up one day and says, matter of fact, I want to be a hooker. Let me go sell my body and I might just get top dollar. Some of you might give a two-for-one deal. Whatever you do. Nobody wakes up like that. It's born out of a desperate necessity to do something else and you've already lost self-worth. And so from that desire of losing self-worth, you figure I might as well get paid for it. Those are the ones we call the professionals. Nobody wakes up and says, let me just be a crackhead. I want to snort some coke. I want to smoke a rock. I want to just today. Let's go today. Nobody wakes up like that. But after you gradually put these things in yourself, you will have a desire for the past. If the drinker comes to Christ, he will have a desire to drink, not to smoke crack. If the crackhead comes to church, he gets saved. He's going to be tempted by his own desire to do drugs, not to actually drink. So you get driven by the desires that are already in you, and you thought you pulled the plug, but there's some things you can't get rid of. The Bible says to crucify your flesh with its affections and lusts, meaning its desires, amen? And it says this, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Can somebody just attest to the fact that sometimes when you sin, you really didn't want to sin and you didn't know what was really happening. You knew what you were doing, but you knew you didn't want to do it, but you felt driven to do it. The apostle writes, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I hate to do, I do, but I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. If you missed that, get a CD. He is dragged away and enticed. Now, this is the problem most of the church is facing that we don't realize here. Then after desire has conceived, meaning it's actually conceived in your spirit now, your flesh has done fornicated into your spirit, got your spirit pregnant. Are you with me? It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full born, gives birth to death. So now you're dealing with two generations inside of yourself. Now you have a grandchild called death and a son and a daughter called sin. And you don't know how to deal with your family issues in your spirit. And now you have a bunch of just different things happening in your life. And you don't know how to deal with these things. You need to realize your flesh had a child and called it death. Why are you always fighting for your life? Because death desires to stalk your spirit until your spiritual life is gone. Somebody said, mm-hmm. Not that there was a threat to your physical being, but that your flesh had a baby named death, and now it's all grown up, and it's trying to destroy your walk with God. It will do whatever it can to infiltrate your spirit and do whatever it can to stop you from achieving your God purpose. Your whole life is culminating in one thing, to fulfill your God purpose, whatever it may be, to be a missionary, to be a teacher, a prophet, to be somebody who sits in the seat and encourages somebody else. Whatever your God purpose is, the devil is not after just you. He's after your purpose. 
Imagine if I let the devil steal my purpose, who would preach to the masses? Who would teach you guys? Who would lead worship? Who would administrate the church? Understand if one person misses their God purpose, thousands are affected. You missing your God purpose doesn't just affect you. It affects the people you were supposed to touch. Somebody say amen. Although you pulled the plug on your flesh, you didn't realize you had a kid now, and it haunts you, and it haunts your mind and your spirit. The offspring of your flesh is evil, and it desires nothing less than a total godless lifestyle. But, but, somebody say but. But your flesh will settle. Rather than death, it will settle for an ineffective Christian lifestyle. Somebody said, mm-hmm. Because it understands that just because you carry the form of God doesn't mean you have the power of God. It's like when you're in a relationship and you will allow somebody, your significant other, to go here and there. Not because you want them to, but because you know it makes them happy. But when they come home, it really has no bearing on the relationship. That's how your flesh is with your spirit. It allows your spirit to go to church. Because it knows when you come home, you're going to be the same person you were when you left. Because you're ineffective as a Christian. The word of God comes into you, but it never changes you. Like I preached on Friday, you come to the point of realization that you've got an issue. But we barely, rarely ever come to the point that we change because we got an issue. We just realize, we become professionals at realizing, I got an issue in my life. I got an addiction. I got a problem. I'm struggling with sin. I shouldn't be in this relationship. We are all professionals at pointing that out, but we rarely ever change those things. I think it's quiet, Carlos. I'm not sure. 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of Christ is power. The cross is salvation. To the world, what you're doing is foolish. Somebody say foolish. But to God, you are being saved. Don't expect the world to understand your walk with God. And don't get frustrated when you realize the people you expected to support you don't support you. Sometimes the people you expect are the first ones to leave you. But don't let it affect you. Many times and oftentimes, you will have a couple come to church and one takes it more serious than the other and then it becomes a driving force in the marriage, in the relationship and they say, well, you go to church, I don't want to. And as one person receives from God, the other person doesn't. One person grows, the other doesn't. And then church becomes a wedge in their marriage. And then they either do one of two things. They either separate or the person who is getting fed by God leaves church as a compromise. And then when the marriage goes south, they both blame God. But go figure. That's just us as humans. Understand some things. You need to fight the enemy in your life. You need to wrestle with that thing until it leaves you alone. If you were to let somebody come into your face and not do nothing about it, although they have no power to touch your life, you still got to tell some people to get out your face. You with me? I remember when I was younger, I believe it was my cousin Yvette and Yvonne who introduced me to a, a stupid little thing that I thought was hysterical. 
And I believe they would do it to Yvette, if I'm not mistaken. Is, am I right, Yvette? You following me? And they would stand in Yvette's face. And they would do the most annoying thing in the world. And they would say, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. And she'd be like, get out of my face! I'm not touching you. She would get so overly annoyed. Carlos, what would you do? Somebody, I'm not touching you. Isn't that annoying and obnoxious? What do you think your flesh is doing to you? And it's up in your face, up in your life. You've let it go and you let it just sit there. At some point, you would tell somebody, get out my face. What is your problem? Leave me alone. You know you are delivered from a situation when it comes around you, you no longer react to it. You need to wrestle with this thing. Understand the story of Jacob. Uh, Jacob, Jacob, did you hear that? Jacob, in the, in the book of Genesis, I believe it's chapter 32. And Jacob, one night as he's on his way back to meet his brother, he's going home. The Bible says that a man walks up to him and out of nowhere, Jacob and this man start wrestling. I could probably say this man probably got in Jacob's face, in his way, and when he got in his path, Jacob began to wrestle him. And they wrestled all night until daybreak. And right before the sun came up, the, the, the man who he thought it was a man didn't realize it was God, walked up to him, touched his hip in the middle of the fight, ripped out his hip, dislocated it. But Jacob kept on wrestling. And he said, I'm not going to let you go. And the man of God, the God who was actually, it was actually an angel of God. He said, let me go, Jacob. I'm tired of wrestling with you. I'm tired of wrestling with you. He said, I'm going to let you go until you bless me. You came in and messed with me. Now you got to bless me. You got to wrestle with that thing until it turns into your favor. You got to wrestle with that thing until you have the favor of God pouring out your life. He said, I ain't going to mess with you. He going to leave me alone, Jacob. Just let me go. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And so he said, all right, I'll bless you. And as, I, as many people stop reading after the whole blessing part, Minister Carmen, many folks just stop reading, but they don't realize the Bible says Jacob walked away with a limp. And for all the days of his life, Jacob limped. Sometimes it's going to hurt to serve God. Sometimes it's going to cause your spirit to be in pain. Sometimes you're going to find yourself in a situation you may not like, leaving with a battle wound you never wanted, but God says, you're blessed now. And what happened was the angel actually changed his name from Jacob to Israel. When you come in contact with God and you wrestle with the thoughts and the hurts and the pains in your life, God will change your identity and people won't be able to recognize you. You may be Carlos, but God says you're a servant of the Most High God. You may be Jose, but God says you're a minister now. You're a conqueror in Christ. You, y'all not getting this. They don't want to hear this today. Some of these folks, even the newer folk is, is, is livelier than some of y'all people. Ought to be ashamed of themselves. I'll preach to you. I don't know what you just said. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You've got to understand this thing. You've got to wrestle. I understand that you've let some things go. Somebody, I know I've let some things go. But they seem to have this gravitational pull around my aura. And every time I let something go, it's like it goes into orbit around me. And every now and then it crosses in front of me and I got to choose not to react to that very thing which I can't stand. Somebody say, uh-huh. 
Jacob sat there and he wrestled until daybreak. And when he left that place, he was blessed, he was changed, but he was hurt. Did you not know that being a Christian hurts? Did somebody not, did you not read the fine print? Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He didn't say there is no yoke and no burden. He said it's easy, it's light. Compared to what? Compared to the burden called death. Are you with me? Realize your humanity is wrestling against your spirituality. Your flesh is trying to wrestle away God's purpose for your life. Your flesh is trying to wrestle away God's provision for your life. Jacob fought so hard that God himself gave in. Understand, you need to fight your flesh and tell him, I told you to leave. Jacob ended up getting hurt, but Jacob did not give up after he got hurt. Realize you just might walk out limping, but all that matters is that you got the blessing. So after Jacob asked for the blessing, I told you, God changes his name. Understand that when your flesh wrestles your spirit and your spirit wins, God will change your identity and who you used to be. No matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you used to be. Somebody say, it doesn't matter. Who you are now is all that God needs for you to be. Who God is trying to make you is all you need to be. You don't have to worry about anything else. You don't have to, I put it like I heard it last night. I'll relieve the pressure off of you. You don't have to worry about your old self anymore. Because God says it's gone. All things are passed away. And all things are made new. You know you're delivered from the flesh when an outward stimulus no longer has any inward reaction. That was too deep for some of y'all, so I'll say it again. You know you're delivered from your flesh when an outward stimuli, meaning an outward situation, or I'll put it in Puerto Rican terms, when drama over around here no longer affects you in here, then you're delivered from your sick, twisted way of thinking about things. You know you are dead to your flesh when after you've left your marital issues in God's hands and your significant other is fighting God at every step that you still don't doubt God because you died to your doubt. That's how you know when you are delivered. That when you are confronted with the option to sin, and although you used to be addicted, now you can refuse it because you're dead to sin in your flesh. You know you're delivered when you used to gossip. And now when people gossip about you, it doesn't affect you when tribulations come. It's just a short trip to get closer to God. You know you're delivered when you're no longer affected inwardly by what's happening outwardly. You with me, Aiden? You know you are delivered when you no longer find yourself doubting God every time the road gets bumpy. You know you're dead to your flesh when your mind stops racing and thinking foolishness about your brothers and your sisters. Deliverance is signified through a lack of reaction to the flesh. Once again, the flesh meaning a mindset that opposes God. You no longer react to yourself when you tell yourself to sin. That's being delivered. Although your flesh still has some breath that you gave it, as long as you don't give it anymore, at some point it's going to run out and it's got to die in your life. 
If you stop adding fuel to that fire, it will subside at some point in time. I don't know about you, but I've decided to move up a level in my spirit. And not only have I decided to take the flesh off life support, I'm deciding not to be affected when those dead things try and come back in my life. You have to understand that you have let go of some things, but it doesn't mean they've let go of you. Every living thing on earth needs to be fed in order to exist. So I refuse to feed my flesh or its offspring. I refuse. I will no longer, check this out now, I will no longer react in a human way to a spiritual battle. I will no longer react to a human way for a spiritual battle. I will no longer let that flesh back in when I know it's out to destroy me. And I refuse to let that doubt, that worry, that anxiety make me react and panic because I know God is in control. I will be still and know that he is God. And in doing so, I will starve out every situation to death and break the law that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Because if I act in a Christ way towards my flesh, there's no reaction it can give me because the flesh doesn't respond to God. Y'all with me? Understand, even though you died to your flesh, you might have to deal with it trying to get back into your life. Don't pick up that phone. Don't open that door when it comes your way. Don't even as much as recognize or react because when you do, it continues to be fed and continues to act. How many of you ever seen one of your exes walking down the street and that seems to be the day they ended up calling you? But if you had left them alone, didn't even look at them, recognize they were even around you, played them hardcore, they wouldn't call you. But you make eye contact. And then you do one of these. You know you saw me. They call you that night. Why are you playing like that? We could just be. The devil is a liar. You can't be friends. That's foolishness. Somebody say amen. When we stop reacting inwardly to an outward situation, we know God's in control. What do you do when you pull the plug and it just kept breathing. You stand still and know that he is God. That's it. You fight the enemy in every way with your mouth, the word of God, through prayer, praise, and worship. Come on, let's focus now. And you will have no more reaction to your flesh. Amen. Some of us in this place are going to find and face situations. Come on, help me out, my spiritual musicians. You're going to find some things in your life. You're going to face some big-time issues. And the only thing that will make it better is for you to do nothing sometimes. The only thing, you have to understand that when you pump up the devil, he's just going to stay in your life. Give me anything. I'm all right. Understand this. We cannot, somebody say, I cannot react humanly. When I'm fighting spiritually. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Stand with me right now. Come on, help me with these lights right now. I want, I want to make an appeal to you today. Come on, God is in this place today. I believe God is trying to get each and every one of us 
Come on, every head nod, every eye closed. Just to get closer to him through dying to ourselves. I believe with all my heart that God is really trying to work in each and every one of you. If you think you are beyond reproach, you are beyond yourself. If you think that you have nothing to work on, that means you have more than you could possibly imagine. So I ask you today, I believe many of us have made a conscientious effort to let some things go in our lives. I believe that many of us have been dealing with our spiritual issues, our fleshly issues. But I believe that many of us, like I preach today, you've let some things go, but it won't seem to let you go. Come on, if that's you, I want you to make your way right now to this altar right now. I want to pray with you today. I want to touch and agree with every single one of you who might be struggling in your spirit. Come on. Thank you very much. I believe that God is going to work some things out. If you've been letting some stuff go and you are caught in a mess, you know that your mind is going crazy and you just need God. You're saying, if I just had God, come on. Come on, where are my musicians at? I said musicians. If I only had God. Come on, that's you. Make your way to the front. Where's my prayer team at? Come on. Come on, kicking the high gear right now. If I only had God on my side, nobody here is beyond to the point where you're saying, Pastor, I don't need nothing. Everybody needs the help from God in their life. Dear Heavenly Father, we're coming into agreement today. Come on, Yvette. Yvonne, help me out praying for these people right now. We're coming in agreement, God, right now. We're coming in agreement, God, that we need your help today. We've faced these issues, God. We'll let them go, God. But they don't seem to let me go, God. I can't seem to let go of this hurt, this pain. Every time I turn my head, God, it's messing with my spirit, God. Oh, Father, we need you right now to come forward, God. God, we need you to come forward right now. Come forward right now, God. Holy Spirit, come to us right now. Oh, Heavenly Father, right now, speak to our hearts. Come on, if you're standing in your seat, I'm challenging you to pray for these people right now. Don't waste your time. They're doing nothing. Pray for these people today. Janet, come help me pray for some of these women up here today. We're in recognition today. We need more of God right now. God, that we, I can't do this on my own, God. Come on, all across this sanctuary, lift your hands. Lift your hands right now. Tell them. Give myself away. Come on, somebody help me right now. I want to give myself away. Give myself away. So you, you can use me, God. Come on, tell them I give. Away. I belong to you, Jesus. Oh, I give myself away. Just so you use me, God. Come on, I give myself away. God, we belong to you, God. I've got issues out of my control. i got situations beyond my comprehension, God. Come on, if you believe it, lift your hands up. Oh, I give myself Come on, church, lift it up. I'm giving myself to you right now, God. My issues, my hurts. I give myself away. All my pain, all my struggles, all my anxiety, my stress. Come on, I give. Give myself away. Oh, I belong to you, Jesus. I 
forgive myself. Come on, just so you can use me, Lord. I give myself. Oh, I belong to you. I belong to you, Jesus. Give myself away. So Come on, tell him, my life is not. Oh, my life is not my own. You are me, Lord. Oh, I give myself. I give myself to you. Come on, tell him, my life. Oh, my life is not. Come on, to you. Oh, I give myself right now. I give myself to you. Oh, my life. To you I belong, God. Oh, I give myself, Lord. Come on, with every head bowed right now. Come on, bow your heads wherever you're at. I don't care how old you are, just bow your head. Ushers, bow your heads. With respect and reverence to God right now. I want to ask you a question. I don't want to embarrass nobody in this place. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed in this sanctuary right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed right now. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if that's you today, I want you just to hold your hand up right now. Nobody's looking. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you know that you're not saved, thank you. If you want to give God a chance right now, thank you. And you say, Pastor, I want, I want to know Jesus like you know him. Pastor, I want to give God a chance like you've done. I, I want to be able to seek God and feel him like you feel him. If that's you, come on. Just lift your hand as high as you can. Nobody's looking right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't want to just talk about it, Pastor. I want to change in my life. Thank you. There's about 12 people raised their hands. Come on, right now. Church, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to open my heart. I want to open my life so you can use me. Come on, lift your hands. Tell them, I give you my heart, my soul. I give you everything that is taking over my life. And I'm asking you, God, have your way. Come on, say it strong. Have your way in my life. God, I want to give you an opportunity to be my Lord and Savior. So I open up everything so you can have it all. Come on, tell him right now. I give myself away. Come on, I belong to you. I give myself away. Come on, lift your hands. Tell him. Come on, so you. Come on, lift, come on, lift it up. I give. Oh, I give myself away Just so you Come on, just the women right now, tell them, I give Come on, women of God, raise it up in this house Tell them, I give myself away Just so you, God Come on, men of God, right now, give Come on, tell them I give myself, I give myself away. Give myself away.
use me, God. Come on, everybody in one way, tell them, I give. God, have your way, have your way, have your way, God, in our lives, God. That we can experience you, God. Just so you can use me, God. Come on, tell them, my life. Oh, my life is not my own. I belong in myself. Oh, come on, let that be a prayer. Tell her, oh, my life. But to you I belong. Oh, I give. God, we turn it over to you right now, Father. God, we rejoice in your presence, God. That today would be a day of difference, God, a day of change. That we won't live the same, that we won't be the same, God. God, that we can get in touch with your power, God. Get in touch with your spirit, God. And be able to seek you more and more, God. Come on, the people of God, say amen.